You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is the biggest international conflict of the 2020s. In many ways, this war is being fought using very familiar tactics with tanks, guns, bombs, and battalions. Russian bombs destroying infrastructure north and south of the city, causing a massive fire at a warehouse. Satellite images show Russian artillery bombarding Kiev. And like conflicts of the past, civilians are being killed as well, forced to flee their home countries and leave all their possessions behind. Nearly three million refugees have fled Ukraine since the war started, and there are still many citizens there trying to escape. But some new aspects to this war have emerged as well. And this being 2022, cryptocurrency is one of them. People in both Russia and Ukraine are turning to cryptocurrencies as a way to hold their assets and store their money. And that's just one of the ways crypto is being utilized in this conflict. It's also become a really, really popular way of sending donations to Ukraine. So we're seeing millions and millions of dollars being sent to both the Ukrainian government and groups supporting Ukrainians inside the country. That's Recode's Rebecca Heilweil, who's been looking at the many ways in which crypto is playing a role in the Russia-Ukraine war. One of the main reasons that's happening is because financial institutions in both countries have made it really hard both to send money around and also turn your money into foreign currency. So crypto has popped up as an alternative to that. So it's not so much that people are using crypto to to purchase things within the country, but rather they're using it as a way to protect their assets and to send donations. So what are the donations on the Ukrainian side being used for? One of the primary things that the Ukrainian government is spending money on right now is military equipment. They are also buying other supplies to help civilians who are basically under attack from Russia. There is also an NGO that was also raising money via cryptocurrency that they were using to buy all sorts of supplies, including reportedly a facial recognition app that was going to help them identify uh, people on the Russian side in some way. So this is really being spent in a wide variety of ways. So just how prevalent has the use of crypto been in terms of sending money to Ukraine? The Ukrainian government has explicitly endorsed using cryptocurrency to support them, which is really fascinating to see. They've set up a new website that is for the Ukrainian government, and it shows that they're partnering with FTX, which is a prominent crypto platform, as well as another crypto company, Everstake, that was created in Ukraine so through these efforts, the Ukrainian government alone has raised about $50 million worth of cryptocurrency. Some estimates put that like tens of millions of dollars higher. It obviously depends because cryptocurrencies fluctuate in value a lot and depends sort of what wallets you're calculating. But this has become a real factor in fundraising for this government right now. When it comes to wartime donations and transactions 
Why would someone use crypto instead of traditional currencies? Ukrainian and Russian financial institutions have both made it a lot harder to access bank accounts. But I think one of the arguments that people will make for cryptocurrency as a tool during these types of conflict is that if you're worried about surveillance, you maybe don't have to be so worried if you're using cryptocurrency and there's no official government involvement. You don't have to be scared that someone's going to shut down access to your currency. And then You know, while we often hear about cryptocurrencies being very volatile, which is true, it isn't always the case that they are more volatile than your fiat currency throughout, you know, the last few years. We've seen some people in some countries turn to crypto because it is actually less volatile than their own country's currency. There's another thing worth pointing out that online platforms, for instance, Patreon, Uh, won't necessarily let you fundraise in support of a war effort. One of the NGOs in support of Ukraine uh, was actually shut down because it violated Patreon's rules about fundraising. You're not allowed to fundraise on that platform for military equipment. And have crypto companies gotten involved? There are several cryptocurrency companies that are actively supporting the Ukrainian government's efforts. So there's FTX, which is a prominent crypto platform. There's also a Ukrainian crypto company called Everstake. There's also Kuno, which is a crypto exchange that is based in Ukraine, has also been helping out and fundraising for Ukrainians based in cryptocurrencies. So this really is a wide-ranging effort from the crypto community. You mentioned the volatility a minute ago when you said that the amount donated could vary by tens of millions of dollars based on what the crypto is worth at any given time. That sounds pretty volatile. What are some of the other potential pitfalls of using crypto as a means of donation? One of the big pitfalls of crypto, especially in the middle of a conflict, is that it's really hard to use. There's a lot of technical aspects you need to understand. It does not really function like money, and you really have to know your way around crypto in order to not only buy it, but then transfer it back into currency when you decide to. Of course, you also need to have access to technology. You need to have access to the internet. You need to have a stable enough connection that you can monitor this. And that's not necessarily something that you might have in the middle of this type of conflict. Of course, if you're deciding to do this right now, you also need to have a financial system that is functioning well enough that you can actually transfer your assets into crypto. If the banks are already you know, unavailable, you're not going to be able to use those banks to take your money and turn it into cryptocurrency. Another aspect of this is that the crypto world is full of a lot of uh, scams and sort of very hypey activities. And it's really hard to see clearly in that environment and know what's legitimate and what seems to be another crypto project that maybe isn't actually up to par and isn't going to help you. So there's a lot of gray areas here and reasons that maybe crypto wouldn't be such a great idea for something to turn to during a conflict like this. Some of those problems you mentioned seem like they would specifically apply to refugees, Ukrainians fleeing the country. How are they using crypto and and how is it maybe particularly helpful for them at this point in time? One of the arguments that's made is that, you know, if you do have cryptocurrency in Ukraine, you can just go to another country and anywhere there might be a, a way to transfer it back into another fiat currency. It's very easy to just move it into another type of currency and be able to support yourself and buy something. Again, the Ukrainian economy uh, is doing very badly right now, which is 
you know, makes sense given what's happening. And it may not make sense to have Ukrainian currency right now if you are trying to leave. And that's one of the reasons why people think it might be a good option for some people during this conflict. Out of curiosity, how popular was crypto in Ukraine prior to the invasion? By one estimate, Ukraine actually ranked fourth in the world in terms of crypto adoption. What's fascinating is that the Ukrainian government has been actively promoting using cryptocurrency and has its own domestic crypto industry that it's been uh, supporting for the past several years. Just weeks before this conflict happened, the parliament in Ukraine officially legalized cryptocurrency. So there is a big industry and there and a lot of people who already had cryptocurrency prior to this invasion happening. And I think that's what makes the use of crypto so prominent in this particular war right now. We've talked a lot about what's happening on the Ukrainian side, but now onto the Russian side. How is crypto being used to assist in the invasion? One of the big concerns that's popped up related to cryptocurrency is the idea that crypto might somehow be used to circumvent sanctions. So in response to the war, the U.S. government and governments around the world have created lists of companies and individuals that should not be worked with. So there's a concern that people might turn to crypto because it's not as controlled by traditional financial institution. There's this idea that people might turn to cryptocurrency as a way to avoid sanctions. So Elizabeth Warren, for instance, is reportedly working on legislation that is going to tackle this problem. It's worth noting there's a debate over how effective crypto might be at avoiding sanctions, but that's something that's popped up in this discussion. It's also worth noting that Russia for a very long time has engaged in you know, cyber attacks and Within that, there's been ransomware associated with cryptocurrencies. So, you know, imagine a scenario where someone hacks your computer and you can't access it unless you get some crypto and and pay back the malware, basically, to get your computer back. But even before this conflict even took place, you know, just like Ukrainians can fundraise in cryptocurrency, there were pro-Russian separatists in Ukraine that also used crypto to fundraise. So it's not just being used to fundraise for the Ukrainian side, it's been used to fundraise for the other side, too. So there's really a long, long history there. Aside from what Senator Warren is trying to do, how are the U.S. and Western nations able to rein in crypto as part of their sanctions? After all, for now, the sanctions against Russia are almost all we can really do without getting kind of uh, actively involved in the conflict. Certain crypto exchanges, if they already know who their customers are, which is not necessarily guaranteed, can block people on that sanctions list from accessing those wallets. That's something that some crypto platforms have already done. Uh, but this is still really being uh, worked out even as an area. And it's something I think the Biden administration is is following and trying to pay attention to. Well, all things considered, it kind of feels like what's happening in, in Ukraine is the first crypto war, the first international conflict where crypto is really playing a major role. But is that actually true? It is true that this is probably one of the first big full-on wars between two countries, both of which have significant cryptocurrency usage already before the conflict started. But, you know, crypto has shown up in other conflicts. It's been used in Libya. It's been used in Palestine and Syria. It showed up in Afghanistan as well. This just reflects that crypto is becoming 
more widely used across the world, which means that when there are conflicts and wars in various countries, you know, crypto is going to play some kind of role the same way money might um, or another type of asset might. So that's why crypto feels so front and center right now in, in this particular conflict. Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today's episode was produced and engineered by John Ahrens. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.